Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 333. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for the new monthly Slow Flowers Journal, which you can find in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 332. Beginning this week, and as often as possible in the coming year, I want to zero in on the successful small business strategies of Slow Flowers members. There's so much creativity and innovation taking place in flower farming and floral design, and we're a community of generous individuals who are incredibly eager to share their stories and their intelligence. Whether it's about extending one's brand to related products and services, or diversifying to reach a new market, or changing up the channels through which you're selling flowers, all is relevant, and I want to hear about it and share it with you. Today's guest is Xenia D'Ambrosi, owner of Sweet Earth Co. in Pound Ridge, New York. Before we join my conversation with Xenia, though, I want to share a report from the Pacific Northwest Cut Flower Growers upcoming meetup. For the fourth year, flower farmers, farmer florists, and floral designers are gathering for an intensive day focused on the practices, crops, and marketplace that makes this region dynamic and unique. Aaron McMullen of Raindrop Farm is part of the planning team for the February 25th meetup in Corvallis. I've asked her to share a bit about the Sure to be Sold Out event, and all the details you'll need to know for registration and programming are at deborahprinzing.com, included in today's show notes. So let's listen to my conversation with Aaron. So excited to have this bonus interview today with my good friend Erin McMullen of Raindrop Farms in Oregon. Hi, Erin. Hello. Thanks for jumping on the line with me. We've got some news to talk about coming up the fourth annual Pacific Northwest Cut Flower Growers Meetup. And you are part of the team that's putting it together. So uh, give us give us the insights and the and the sneak peek of what's happening and um, why people might want to check this out. Yeah, thank you so much for having us back on this year. Um, This is, like you said, our fourth year uh, that we've put together this meetup. It's going to be at the end of February, February 25th, here in Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, We get to do it in conjunction with the Oregon State Small Farms Conference, which is a great day of a vast amount of farming information from everything from grazing and pasture lands all the way through to flowers and business propositions how to do a lot of stuff with farming. So it's really fun to be in that weekend with them. Um, this group has been together for a, just about five years, and our goal is really to bring a, a really good 
educational opportunity to cut flower growers in the Pacific Northwest region. So this day, we'll have sessions, we'll have some Q&A panels, we'll have some keynote speakers. We're really excited to have uh, Ralph and Jerry ann from Bindweed come and kind of give us a keynote mm. about their successful business mm-hmm. out in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Past guests of this podcast, they're going to be fabulous. Absolutely. They're going to be really fun to have there. Uh, We'll have sessions on crop planting, succession growing. Uh, We're going to have a really fun design session that's going to happen. So there's kind of a little bit for everyone. Our goal is to make it so that experienced growers and new growers alike can all get information that they they find useful and they can move forward on their farming endeavors with. Uh, So it's really fun to put together, and it's a great time to get to build community with our fellow growers. It is. I got to co- attend the first one and the third one, I guess. So uh, I remember last year, just that energy and enthusiasm and this sort of sense of such mutual support between veteran flower farmers and people just maybe at the early stages of exploring whether they're interested in uh, dipping their toe into this uh, industry. And um, it, it, I didn't feel like that was too uh, sort of simplified for the experienced folks, and I didn't think it was too much over the head of beginners. I felt like you put an amazing program together last year, and uh, I know you've got a good one this year. How do you do that? Do you have a, like a team of people, or <laughs> do you talk to people? Yeah. I, I think you talk to people all year long trying to plan this, right? It, we do. We we put out multiple surveys, so we have kind of what the what what we would call a loose membership. Uh, we're in the process of turning this group into hopefully a nonprofit so mm-hmm. that we can be a little bit more uh, engaged with uh, the educational part of it, which is something that we're all really passionate about. And so currently we're run by, uh, there are three of us officially that are volunteers on this committee to put things together. So what we do throughout the year is we send out surveys to our kind of loose membership, asking them what kind of, what kind of subjects they're interested in, who they would like to hear from, where, you know, where they would like to be seeing meetups around the region, and then we take all of that information and try to glean out of it what the most important aspects are for people and where we can really contribute to their, their education and their community. Um, what's been really fun, in addition to having the flower farmers there, is we've also kind of drawn in some of our local designers uh, from so from Oregon, but also from Washington, which is a great opportunity for us to show those designers what, as farmers, we're doing and why they should be excited about what we're doing. And we've gotten great reception from yeah. them as well. Yeah. And so the group, it's, is it Kathleen Barber of Erica's uh, Fresh Flowers and uh, Beth Cyphers from Crowley House? Are those your other two committee members? That's exactly. Those are my partners in crime. Absolutely. (laughs) The dream team. I love it. Um, And you're all... We all bring bring something different to the table, which makes it so that we can really collaborate well and put together what we hope is a really fun, enthusiastic, energetic day for everyone. Yeah. And I I think uh, co-locating with the Oregon Small Farms Conference, you know, while it's not possible to move around the entire Northwest region, having that central location and a really popular conference that people may want to travel to anyway, it it just makes sense to continue that kind of back-to-back programming with, with, they have a Saturday conference, right? They do. Their conference is on Saturday and they have been, this will be our third year, is that right? Third year of also running a cut flower track at the OSU conference. So mm-hmm. that's a whole other aspect that's you know, that's a fun day as well because the OSU Farm 
conference brings in even more flower farm goodness. Mm -hmm. So it actually can be a two full days of flower farming Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So people right now, when you say it's a loosely kind of a loosely organized uh, group, uh, there is a Facebook group called Pacific Northwest Cut Flower Growers that um, is sort of tied to the activities of this meetup. It's it, That's where the surveys and the information all kind of get communicated, right? That's one of the places. So we do have a Pacific Northwest Cut Flower Farmers uh, website, like a blog post oh, website, right. mm-hmm. a blog spot, I'm sorry, blog spot website, okay. um, and then in Gmail, which is just pnwcfg at gmail.com. And so we encourage people to email that that list because we know not everyone is on Facebook nor is everyone checking their Facebook and making sure that they're getting updates. So that email list is really where our regional farmers can get the best opportunity to be informed of these kind of meetups and surveys and sessions. And then the Facebook group we do use as a platform to get this information out. We also use that, that as a regional hub of information. And, I've noticed that. People ask yeah. questions and share tips and swap and ideas. It's great. it's great. And we really do try to, to really focus it on our unique region. We ha- I mean, we are a fairly vast region with Oregon, Washington, Idaho. We go into Montana, Northern California, and I think we even have a couple of people in, like, Northern Nevada. Mm. So, you know, it's a large region, but we have some very unique parts to our region that it really helps to have people from your from similar climes from similar places talking about things it really gives you that added kind of detail of information that Uh, can be really helpful yeah i mean the zone even just the zone specific issues i know we do have the east and the west of the mountains but people find each other absolutely yeah so um Tell me about how you know how people can register, what the cost is, and um, we'll have all the links to your posted information and um, how people can kind of follow this group on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, what's it's it's all day Sunday, February twenty fifth at the LaSalle's Stewart Center on the Oregon State University campus, and what how are you charging for it, and, and how many people do you expect to attend? So we have, um, last year we had about 91 people attend, which was wonderful. Mm. Uh, This year we have space for uh, just around 100 people, so we definitely are somewhat limited by space. Um, It is at the LaSalle Stewart Center, which is on the Oregon State campus. The best way to get information about it is I can send send you all of our links and information uh, that sends people to our webpage. And again, that that email address, which is the pnwcfg at gmail.com address. Uh, is someplace where people can email and we can send links out that way. Um, the the best the other part of it is that OSU aspect of yes. it, the OSU Small Farms Conference, which uh, can be registered for if you go to the OSU Small Farms page, which is just uh, OSU. Let's see. I don't. You don't have wrong. to. You don't have to give it. I'm just yeah. seeing that you just posted it on Facebook. So. Oh yeah, I did. Um, I, it's it's uh, so oh. the day, The day of for the Pacific Northwest meetup is $35 Mm -hmm. for the whole day. Wow. And that includes, um, we have some generous sponsors who have donated uh, things for coffee. You know, we'll have coffee, we'll have a pastry kind of snack bar, uh, and then we'll have a ton of raffles, everyone from Johnny's to um, Growing for Market, uh, Tall Grass Farms. We have some really great sponsors who send us really good stuff, Sunflower Selections. Um, So we, we... 
we'll raffle stuff off throughout the day, and all of that's included with that $35 fee. Um, and that just kind of goes to help us to facilitate the day. Like I said, it's all volunteers. Mm-hmm. So it really, um, it's a great day for a great cost for a great day of education. Yeah, it's a great way to invest in yourself. And at the time of year where it's top of mind for everybody with their seed catalogs and their you know, Dahlia tuber orders and, and just their their grid, grid graph paper <laughs> figuring out their, their planting right. schemes. Um, and exactly. I do... And I think... Oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, I think that one of the biggest things to take away from these kind of conferences for myself and I think for other other growers is just the sense of community that we have and making the connections with other people who are doing similar things to us because farming is hard, flower farming is hard, um, and it can be challenging and it can be isolating. And being able to be in a community of like-minded people who are going through those same ebbs and flows of business and farming is just so, so important. I love it. No, I totally agree. And I picked up on that energy last year. I'm so bummed that I can't go this year, but we'll help get the word out. And I know that we'll, I'll be with you in spirit. I'll put some kind of uh, door price package together from Slow Flowers for you too. So I'll, hey. um, I'll represent a little bit. Um, and I love that you are so intentional about bringing the design aspect in, because I just think that's the the name of the game for florists who want to learn more about growing and for farmers who want to uh, appreciate the design side of their business potential. So it's really exciting that that will be, that was really popular last year. And I think that'll be popular again this year. Thank you. Yes. We have some exciting things in the, in the works and we're, we're really looking forward to bringing that aspect in and getting some hands-on stuff happening. Well, before we started recording or we started this interview, you said that you're already over 50% sold out. So if you're, listen- if you're listening to this and you have any interest in spending a weekend in Corvallis, Oregon, like juicing up on every bit of intel you want to know about flower farming, uh, take action because Erin uh, is going to open this up to um, a broader registration this week and um, you know, there's only like 30 some odd spaces left. So don't sit and think about right. it. Act. <laughs> we want everybody to get in, but we do have limited space. So we really want people to get, get registered so we can get that the ball rolling. That's great. So uh, before I let you go, what's going on at Raindrop Farms? What <laughs> What's on your plate right now? Can you even think about your farm while you're planning this conference? Um, <laughs> well, it's currently pouring down rain here. So I'm, I'm actually pleasantly ensconced by the fire with a cup of coffee um, on the computer and it's so much so much more lovely than being out in the rain <laughs> so um, dry it's so dry um, we we are excited we've been expanding for the last two years so our overall acreage has expanded um, we're looking at growing some bigger volumes of crops and we're just moving forward kind of getting our systems uh, dialed in which is super exciting. We'll be doing some workshop stuff around our farm this year, which we're really looking forward to. Um, and we encourage people to get in touch with us if they're interested in that. Uh, because again, for us, that education, you know, both personally as a farm, as well as with the overall Pacific Northwest group, that's something we're really passionate about. So we're looking forward to, to bringing that educational part, both to our farm and to the larger group through the meetups. So, wow. That's, That's great. Something to look forward to. Yay. Great. Well, we'll make sure that people know how to find Raindrop Farms and follow you as well. Um, you grow 
beautiful product, you and your husband, Aaron Gatsky, and I am so uh, happy to know you and to be in your community. Um, and I, I thank you for all the volunteer efforts you're making that benefit everyone in this community. Um, whether it benefits you or not, you're doing it uh, because you care and you're passionate. And I, I, I thank you and your team. And my team, Kathleen and Beth. (laughs) Kathleen and Beth are wonderful. We're going to be on a conference call in just about an hour talking through the details of the last kind of getting everything together for the meetup and moving forward with the the conference group, which is also exciting. So look forward to that in in the future. We'll try to keep you updated on where the Pacific Northwest Cut Flower Growers Group is headed. Great. Erin, thank you so much. Have a um, have a great meeting with Beth and Kathleen. Tell them I said hi. And I'm just uh, appreciate you sharing this so that people, you know, people don't have to be Northwest residents to attend this. You, you probably had a lot of um, surprising visitors from other parts of the country who were intrigued by, you know, either the Small Farms Conference or the meetup last year. I mean, you mentioned a few of them. So, Yes, and we're excited. We love having that input from people around the country because, you know, sometimes we get focused on our region and we love to see what other places are doing. Yeah, excellent. And thank you for having us on and helping us to spread the word um, and for all of the other wonderful work that you're doing. Oh, you bet. It's it's my pleasure, my friend. Okay, thanks so much and have have a great weekend and we'll get this out um, uh, in the next podcast so that people can can find and follow and engage with... uh, this amazing group, Pacific Northwest Cut Flower Growers. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Deborah. Okay, take care, Anne. glad we were able to include Erin's report today and as she mentioned tickets are going fast and it's time to grab yours if you're thinking about joining the one-day session in Corvallis next month. Now let's meet Xenia. Xenia D'Ambrosi has a passion for sustainable gardening and horticulture. Her company Sweet Earth Co. specializes in designing and maintaining sustainable gardens and natural landscapes. Sweet Earth Co. was built around a mission to help clients improve function beauty, and biodiversity in their landscape while mentoring and partnering with them to understand and practice the basic tenets of sustainable landscaping. Mixing function and beauty is something Sweet Earth Co. does close to home. Having recently rebranded her business as Sweet Earth Co. Blooms and Botanicals, Xenia sustainably grows specialty cut flowers and offers a flower and herb CSA, as well as produces a line of specialty herb teas. Visitors to the farm stand at Sweet Earth Co. find local flowers, herbs, teas, honey, herbal products, and garden gifts and decor. Xenia earned a master's in public health and an MBA from Columbia University, as well as a certificate in gardening and sustainable practices through the New York Botanical Garden. She's the author of articles regarding sustainable gardening and has led various workshops and educational events about gardening and agricultural literacy. You'll want to check out the photos Xenia has shared in our show notes at deborahprinzing.com and find links to all of her social places there too. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and today I'm delighted to introduce my guest, Xenia D'Ambrosi of Sweet Earth Co. Hi, Xenia. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for getting on the line with me. We're doing this long distance over Skype, right? <laughs> yeah, 
It's been great. Thank you for having me. You bet. Can you um, tell me where Pound Ridge, New York is in the in the configuration of your region? Um, it's about an hour and 15 minutes north of Manhattan. Um, we are um, north of Bedford, New York, and um, just west of uh, New Canaan and Stamford, Connecticut. Oh, wow. So we are kind of the bottom tip of the lower Hudson Valley. Oh, okay, great. That sounds good. Now, Sweet Earth Co. is how, how old is that business? I know you have a really interesting background, so you must have escaped from the city and moved to the country at some point before you started Sweet Earth Co., right? Um, I sure did. <laughs> I, uh, I'm kind of a born and bred Manhattanite um, <clears throat> and moved up... Um, to uh, Pound Ridge, actually, um, right around 9-11. Mm. Uh, we had the home and, uh, and moved up here um, just as my older son was being born. It was a really crazy week, but um, we accomplished that. I continued to work in the city. Um, my background is in finance, and um, believe it or not, I was uh, in kind of the corporate investment banking world. Um, and I did that up until um, 2010. Wow. Um, and in 2010, um, you know, a lot of things happened. Um, uh, corporations went under. Um, and um, I also had kind of a life-changing event um, health-wise. And uh, that's when I started to really consider or reconsider um, what I wanted to do and how I wanted to take care of myself and my family. And, um, and I had an opportunity to kind of decompress for a while. Um, and I thought about what it was that it kind of really made me, um, happy and passionate. And, um, and at the time, um, when I needed to take care of my health, I really turned towards, um, eating locally and, uh, growing my own food. Um, and actually um, working the land. I mm. volunteered at some local farms, and um, I, I mean, I, I really, truly believe it healed me. And well, so your, bus your business name, Sweet Earth, is just so symbolic of what you've just described, that you really derived this nourishment almost from working in soil. It, it definitely was, and, and that is, I mean, that's what I believe, and that's, that's why I do what I do. And why I love it for, so much, it's, I believe in the, in the power of flowers and the connection with nature to bring you know, joy, to bring inspiration, um, and to bring healing in all of its forms. Um, so that's how Sweet Earth Co. came about in 2012 is when I really kind of incorporated. Um, and I started out doing um, edible landscape design. Um, and... Um, I still do a fair amount of landscape design, um, but at, at some point it evolved into um, designing and growing um, at my place, at my home, and expanding um, every year into my children's play area. They've got <laughs> less and less square footage to play as I find more places to plant. Um, How big is your property? Um, we have um, two acres, a little over two wow, acres. Wow, that's great. A, um, in terms of how much is planted out, we have just a shy of an acre. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what is it, a, it? 
was it just like lawn and you started ripping things out or when you started your business in 2012, it sounds like you were focusing on clients in your community, not necessarily your own quote unquote farm. I mean, that's sort of right. I mean, I, um, I incorporated gardens throughout the property. A lot of them were kind of test gardens. I wanted to see how certain, um, uh, plants, work together and certain varieties did they do well in our in our zone um i did have a um a vegetable and herb garden um and i was growing um vegetables and herbs for private chefs Mm. um just a small number of them uh but that was kind of on the side my husband is a chef also a career changer but um and so i was growing a lot for personal consumption um, and for other private chefs in the area. And um, and then as I started getting more into um, designing and installing cutting gardens for clients, um, you know, I realized that it's something I really love to do, and I started doing more of it here at my farmstead, is what I call it. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so every year I, I add more square footage. I plant more square footage out. So um, right now um, in several different plots, we have um, just shy of an acre. Wow. So right now, um, the company, uh, well, this is the reason I want invited you to be on the podcast just to back up a little bit for the listeners is that I'm really fascinated with how people run their businesses. And of course, you have a leg up because I know you have an MBA. <laughs> Not everybody who is a flower farmer does that. But it, it it's great that you have those that toolbox to apply to um, a green business. And I'm intrigued with what you're doing to extend your brand with multiple products that kind of carry you with cash flow throughout the year. I want to talk about that and just how you're diversifying the ways that you're branding yourself and getting your um, products be the things you grow and services, the things you design into the hands of your market. So describe your market now and and how you serve that market um, in in your, is it, is Poundridge like a, 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 considered a bedroom community for New York, or is it a little bit more ex-herb? Um, it's a little more ex. Um, I would say um, we're the ex-town over from Bedford. Bedford would be the bedroom community, Got and it. we're kind of a little north than that. Okay. Uh, but um, I service um, the, the kind of the Bedford district includes Pound Ridge, includes other neighboring towns. Um and um, kind of we're known as sort of horse country up here. Mm. Um, and um, it's an upscale clientele, um, large plots of, of land. And um, so I find that um, our, my market um, appreciates flowers um, and appreciates uh, uh, gardens. Um, and so um, I can have the same client be a CSA member um, and design a garden for them and also, um, you know, do floral design and events for them. Mm. So one client could service all three lines of business Mm. for me. Did it take a while to kind of nail that recipe or, um, you know, just sort of, sometimes we have these aha moments like, oh, I didn't write down that this was my plan, but this is exactly what's happening. And it sounds like a, a nice symbi- symbiotic balance between the garden design and the floral design, the farming and selling flowers and um, 
you know, moving into events that use your flowers. Right. It's, it's kind of, it was evolutionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it started with the kind of garden design um, and installation. And mm-hmm. then it, from there it turned um, to be more specific about flowers. Um, and I think about everything, every kind of line of business. Um, I measure it up against what it is. I believe in what I want to be doing, which is um, if it's something that um, connects um, a person to flowers and to nature, then perhaps it's something that I should be looking at. Mm. As long as I'm communicating um, kind of the beauty and the the sustainability, because a lot of what I do is um, um, I grow sustainably and I promote local and and so if it falls under those that umbrella um, and it ties into our basic tenants, business tenants, then um, it's something we consider doing. So let's talk about um, the flowers specifically. I'm just so curious. I, I obviously follow your feet and all, but I just would love to have you tell the listeners, and we'll share photos as well, of kind of the mix of um, uh, botanical design elements that you're growing Um Give us sort of spring, spring through the end of the year, kind of. Like, what are you starting to plant first? Um, so, um, I would say that, um, you know, I, I, I do a flower CSA, and I break it up into a spring share, a summer share, and a late summer dahlia share. Mm. Um, I also offer um, herb harvest. So, for each share, you can, you know, for, you can add the option of an herb bouquet, and um, I grow lots of herbs, not only for the herbal teas, but for fresh um, cuts. Um, and as well, I, I use them in bouquets as well um, and in arrangements. So um, throughout all the seasons, uh, I, I'm always turning to herbs. Mm. Uh, but for the spring share, um, we'll be, uh, we've got peonies, um, iris, um, Tulips, alliums, those will be our focals. Mm-hmm. For summer, um, you know, we have a wide array of sunflowers. I, I think I'm um, calling this this coming season the, the year of the sunflower because I've <laughs> gotten a little bit crazy with my seed ordering on all the different sunflower varieties. All the different but colors. Sunflowers and zinnias, um, strawflower, cosmos, uh, scabiosa. Um, uh, and then for the late summer dahlia share, um, the focal obviously are dahlias. I grow over 30 varieties. I'm always trying new ones. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, kind of once you've caught the dahlia bug, you can't help but keep adding varieties. Absolutely. Well, I know I checked your website out before we uh, jumped on the line, and you have your 2018 price list up, and uh, so it's 125 for a spring share, which is covers five weeks mm-hmm. beginning in May. And by May, I'm sure your customers are so hungry for local flowers. Uh, I don't know what kind of winter they've had, but it must just be such a neat way to kick off the season. Um, then you're, you charge the same for your late summer dahlia share, $125 for five weeks, uh-huh. and then $299 for the summer share because that goes for 13 weeks. So that's excellent, you know, for somebody who's trying to, maybe they're traveling and they only want to, they're only going to be in town for one of those three, you know, seasons. Right. But then you have the full season share 
Are you pretty happy with the number of people who are signing up with this CSA or like how does how is it going? So the CSA, this is my third season going into it. My first season, um, you know, was kind of trial and um, I had a nice group of uh, customers. And I would say last season, which was my second, um, it more than doubled. Wow. Which is great. And um, I'm looking forward to that again. Um, I, you know, I start selling my CSA in Christmas the year before, you know, the holiday season the year before. Mm -hmm. So um, just coming into 2018, um, I have a fair amount of, uh, of customers from last year. And um, I've already grown that um, coming into this year with my holiday sales. And then so now you were, you were selling, were you selling like vouchers or, or gift certificates, that sort of thing over the holidays? Mm-hmm. Smart. And then the herb, the opt-in for the herb harvest is an additional $5 per week. And are people using those herbs for their floral arranging or for their culinary or does it matter? Culinary. Um, I include herbs in their bouquet, but the um, the herb harvest that's really uh, more of an herb uh, culinary um, use, and that's a little different because I, um, you know, they'll walk the garden with me, and they'll, you know, I give them an option of three herbs. I cut three bunches for them, and they have, you know, twenty something different herbs to choose from, and so wow. they walk around. Oh, uh, I need more sage this week, or um, you know, that smells great. Let let's add that. Well, let's try something different this week. So. Uh, sometimes I let them cut. Sometimes I just walk around with them and, and cut with them. So do they come to your farm to pick? Is it all the pickup at your farm? Or do you, how do you do that? The point it is. Okay. Um, here we are offering um, local delivery um, as an option. Um, and uh, and we're hoping that that will, um, you know, lead to more sales. Um, but they really enjoy coming. Um, yeah, I bet. A break and they come in and they get to... Um, you know, walk amongst the flowers. Um, I also have chickens. They love to visit the chickens. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of a visiting the farm. The kids like to come and run around. And um, wow. so I haven't had anybody yet take me up on the local delivery. Well, it's like a you know a wonderful way to make your to em emphasize your brand in all the things you're doing by getting people to your farm, are you able to manage it and like set a specific time so you're not stopping everything and d attending to a, a bouquet pickup or how, how do you manage that? Well, yeah, I offer Friday or Saturday pickups. Oh, that's um, smart. Friday pickups, they have to choose one or the other. Friday pickups um, are between a set time, although that's a much wider window. Um, and then Saturday, it's Saturday morning. Mm, mm hmm you mentioned when, before we turned on the recorder that the CSA has really led to you getting booked for more more floral event work. And I had never thought of that connection. Actually, no, I take it back. Jimmy Lore from Green Center in Pittsburgh told me that his his CSA drove a lot of it, drives a lot of event business. But I had before the two of you have mentioned this, I, I hadn't seen the connection. How does that work? I mean, what give me a couple examples of leading the CSA bouquet leading to something bigger. Um, so, for instance, I had um, a CSA customer um, come and say they're, you know, they're meeting up with some friends. Can they get three or four extra bouquets? Mm. Um, then it goes to um, we're having a dinner party or we're having um, the holidays or um, I'm um, 
chairing a fundraiser, um, can you do our centerpieces? Can you do our bouquets? Um, and then the relationship grows and, you know, my daughter's getting married. Can you do our wedding? That's brilliant. And, and you're, you're, you're good with this. I mean, it's not, it, you want to go in this direction, right? I do. I mean, I enjoy, um, I offer two, uh, this year I'm offering two different um, kind of event packages and a la carte where, you know, you can, off, I can offer the, the bouquets, the centerpieces, um, and then I, Calling and offering a somewhat of a full service, uh, but the um, the intent there is kind of from seed to bouquet. So mm. um, I would grow specifically uh, for them, and that's really focused on the wedding market. Um, and uh, and so um, it's not it's I'm not exactly um, you know reaching for those um, high level weddings. Um, Where you have to hire lots of people to help you and that sort of thing. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but, um, but I do, you know, there was a wedding uh, last late last year where, you know, it kind of started out small, but then as, uh, as a lot of these weddings do, they kind of take on a life of their own and they grow. And by the end of the, <laughs> by the day of the event, we were constructing arbors. And um, one thing um, that I feel I, I, can bring to the table is my horticultural expertise. So during that time when I was kind of decompressing and figuring out what it is I wanted to do, I went back to school and I and I got a certification in gardening and sustainable design from the New York Botanical Garden. And um, I spent a fair amount of time um, kind of just studying plants. And um, many of the events that are held outdoors, um, I can also do a lot of the um, Kind of staging. Oh, so, wow. Oh, that makes so much sense. You can create the whole environment in the oh. garden for an al alfresco event. Yeah, so this wedding that we had last um, uh, last fall, um, you know, when the bride chose the place, um, she loved the outside and their gardens, but for her, uh, for her wedding, by the time that came about, they had cut back all the roses and they had, I mean, it was barren, mm. basically. So I, I came in and I brought in all these plants and I set it up as if the garden was always there. Oh, wow. Well, I, you know, it's like an upsell, uh, but they think you're just coming to the rescue. <laughs> right. And, yeah. um, and it's, it's really all about kind of creating that environment. And, um, and that's where, you know, back in my previous life, I did have some event planning um, experience. And so uh, I pulled that in. Um, that's cool. That's neat. Well, um, I also want to talk about the other channels of how people in your community are getting your flowers, because you're doing some interesting um, ongoing relationships through retail and then also uh, these sort of seasonal pop ups. And I just think it will maybe inspire people who haven't dipped their toe into this, um, you know, diversification, you know, someone who's maybe a flower farmer who is just uh, maybe limiting themselves to one channel, like say a farmer's market, it's possible to add on all of these other channels. And uh, I want to talk about that a little bit. And how do you balance all of that? Is it, you know, do you have to evaluate whether it's worth your while? Because I'm sure there's a lot of time involved in in what you're doing. Could you just describe some of these other places people can find your flowers? Um, sure. So um, I've done um, pop-ups um, and they are kind of, uh, um, 
seasonal um, or holiday specific, mm-hmm. uh, Valentine's Day or um, or the Christmas holidays, Mother's Day. Um, so and and while I sell my flowers there, I'm really um, promoting the CSA. Mm. And so I offer some flowers, some bouquets. I also offer tea gifts. Um, so I, I package things up as a gift, usually for the pop-ups. Um, for the holiday ones, it was wreaths. And, um, and so I offer gift certificates to the CSA. Um, and uh, that's one avenue. I also have created um, a couple of relationships, local relationships, um, that I'm very... Um, um, proud of and happy to be a part of um, at our local specialty market. Um, they've undergone a renovation recently and were focused on on local products. And so they um, they partnered with me, um, and I will supply them on a wholesale basis um, bouquets and centerpieces. And they have um, kind of brought in. They I've given them signage, and so they've given me my own little corner where I can, um, where they sell my teas and my, my, uh, wow. Oral. So is it one market or, uh, what's it called? Um, that's, um, well, their new name is, um, the market at Pound Ridge Square. Okay. Is there just one or do they have multiple outlets? No, they have one. And then, um, I also have a relationship with a local nursery called Copia, Copia Home and Garden. It's oh, wow. in another town over and um, we've collaborated often. Uh, I've, they sell tea, my teas, they sell some bouquets. I've done flower bars during the season. I put up a flower bar um, and I sell whole bunches there. That's on a consignment basis. Um, and then I've also held workshops there. And that's another avenue that I've um, pursued. Um, you know, I, I like to think of my business in, in kind of three funnels. Um, one is the growing. We grow flowers, we grow herbal teas and the different ways we can sell them. The other um, is uh, we design both uh, uh, florals, landscapes, container gardens. And then the third, which is just as important to me, is the, is the teach. We teach. Mm-hmm. And so I hold workshops um, here um, at my farmstead or at various locations like the um, Copia Home and Garden. I also teach um, a couple of classes at the New York Botanical Garden. Wow. So teaching is still quite important. Are you teaching more on the cut flower side or floral design or sustainable gardening or or does it just depend on the the you know the time of year or the or the host who what they ask you to teach? Um, right, it's a combination. Um, so for the workshops I've taught um, have uh, some of them have focused were specific to the um, local. Um, garden clubs mm-hmm. and what they wanted to um, to hear. So I have one coming up for a local garden club where I'll be focusing on designing with succulents. And I will cover both um, um, cuts, succulents as cuts and succulents in the garden. That's so brilliant. I love the way you kind of blend, you know, you kind of make gardening accessible to floral enthusiasts and you make floral design and cut flowers accessible to gardeners who I, I just think that that's that's a sweet spot right there that that not a lot of people are taking advantage of so it, it's using your two all your skill sets too and, um, and I found that when I'm doing landscapes um, you know those customers are are wanting to know more about flowers and the other way around mm. um, mm-hmm. 
flowers want to know how to grow them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, our podcast, is, our interview is going to air on the 24th. And I think also the same week, the article that I uh, wrote for Johnny's Seeds about on-farm workshops will, I think Johnny's is going to start promoting. So we'll share that with listeners. Um, when I worked on that article, I interviewed a number of people um, all around the country doing kind of a mix of on-farm events and workshops. And you talked about how you hosted um, a, a local garden club for a sustainable farm herb and and tea tour. I, I, maybe I'm describing it cor- incorrectly, but um, tell me a little bit how that went. And it, it sounds like that's the model that maybe you'll continue to repeat or offer going forward, or was that like a one-off? Uh, no, actually, I, um, I'm looking forward to hosting more workshops like that, um, either with local garden clubs or just um, opening it up to the community. Mm. Um, so um, that particular workshop, that was very well attended. It was a lot of fun. We had, um, I would say, a little over 25 people come. Um, they walked the, the gardens, they walked the, the um, flower fields, and I was talking to them about just general um, land stewardship and sustainable gardening, um, mixing plants and herbs, um, using herbs not only as um, as a cut but also as a, as a pest management um, and other really important tenets of sustainable gardening, mm. um, where they're used to seeing um, you know these flowers in a garden design setting. Here they were seeing you know rows and rows of the same cut flower. Um, that was new and interesting to them. Um, and then we focused, um, the tour not, included not only the, the gardens, but also um, my barn where I have um, my herb drying room and, um, and, you know, where we kind of put the bouquets together. So mm-hmm. I showed them how we process things in there. Um, and then we turned to um, a specific um, portion of the workshop on herbs and herbalism. Um, and I've taught courses in, at that, um, on that as well at the Botanical Gardens. And um, so we, we talked about kind of um, how herbs affect people differently and um, how you can blend your own teas. Um, and we talked about the medicinal properties of herbs. And, and then they had an opportunity to have a hands-on and mix, blend their own tea. That is fabulous. Yeah, I I was so impressed with that because it's like you created a curriculum that touches on all the things that you want future customers to know about you. Um, you wrote, I quoted, I think you sent me this in an email, but we quoted you as saying, I wanted to put a face on my farm so customers would feel connected and compelled to want my products and services. I made certain to promote the many benefits of local flowers, my flower and herb CSA, as well as the retail markets that are selling my flowers and teas. So it's like, you know, back to what you said earlier, whenever you do a pop-up or a workshop, you're trying to drive that audience to order the CSA, which generates, you know, wonderful repeat sales. And so it's, it makes so much sense. Um, but putting the face on the farm was the part that really, really resonated with me, Xenia. It's like that, that is definitely in the, in the conversations that we're all having about how to make your brand different from somebody else's. And it's you, it's your, your connection with your customers. And, and I have to say, I mean, um, I'm, you know, it's 
stuff we learned in business school, but um, <laughs> it was really my time at Florette, at Florette that really drove that home for mm, me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's definitely um, something that more pe- some people are more comfortable with than others, and it sounds like, you know, you get a few of these successful events under your belt, and you're like, hey, why, why wouldn't I do this, right? Well, um, I've done, you know, lots of workshops on the gardening side, the vegetable mm-hmm. gardening and edible gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of brought that over um, onto the uh, the floral side. Yeah. And, uh, um, I cool. had been. I had a couple of years ago. I had done a um, a program um, at a local farm um, that is known as the home of slow medicine, and it was all about the connection to nature and the healing. Um, the healing that can come of it. Um, and so I developed a curriculum there and a CSA. Um, and um, I kind of, it was a natural extension to now do that with flowers. Was the CSA mainly for herbs then? Is that? Um, that CSA there was um, more of a co-op where, mm. where members actually came and worked. Um, and as part of it, the co-op, they got monthly workshops, uh, weekly meditation, um, but it was always, it included um, vegetables, flowers, and herbs. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's really neat. Well, I know you've got a lot on the calendar that you're planning for 2018. Do you want to touch on a few of the highlights that people can follow you uh, uh, on your social places to see what you're doing? Uh, sure. Well, um, first off, um, the year starting off for me with um, a launching of a new website, and that's coming up um That'll that'll launch by the time this airs. Great, um, and I'm really excited about that. A lot of hard work went into that. Uh, and I bet. So, um, I will be um, growing the CSA. I will be um, working with my two retail partners. Um, I also sell um, to other floral designers. I'm looking forward to collaborating more with um, other floral designers, both on workshops and events. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Um, and, and connecting more people to um, the Sweet Earth Farm. Um, we've also um, got some workshops lined up. I'll be having a, doing a seed starting workshop um, at the Botanical Gardens in April. Um, and I'm putting on more workshops, I'm adding more workshops to the calendar, um, both um, herbs and flowers. Wow. Um, and I'm looking forward to that as well. Are you primarily the only full-time employee at Sweet Earth Co., or how do you handle when, you know, a lot of us say we, and we really just mean ourselves. I'm just, I'm trying to picture you and how you're doing all of this. Um, well, I, I do have help. I mm-hmm. have, um, uh, as I, I started on the kind of the landscape design, mm-hmm. um, and so I had uh, some landscape workers. Um, so this last year I had a full-time and two part-time and I split them up between kind of the landscape side and the and the flower side. Um, this year, going forward, um, it's uh, it's I'm really focused less on um, the garden maintenance, um, and I will be using um, landscapers on a subcontracting basis, so um, more freelance. And um, so it'll be myself, and um, I have. Um, one worker, Stephanie, she's amazing, and she works with me on, on, the, on the farm here, um, growing and designing. That makes sense, because you're kind of juggling two different businesses, although it sounds like you're cross-training part-time and full-time staff to 
work on both. Um, because the land, the garden design is off-site and the flower farming is on-site pretty much, right? Correct. That's right. great. Um, um, and so, um, you know, the, the kind of the main employees will be myself and, and Stephanie, and then everybody else will, will be a life, uh, freelancer subcontractor. And then uh, your winter, it, <laughs> what do you do in the winter besides building a website? Are you like kind of uh, never really able to... Um, get out of the earth like you're still probably planning to start your seeds pretty soon and or you're ordering seeds and um preparing for the coming season right that, that downtime keeps shrinking more and more <laughs> i know it's true um i uh so i i do i'm pretty busy um up until christmas um on the mm -hmm. doing floral events mm -hmm. um as well as um uh Kind of uh, interior um, container gardens, mm. decorating homes um, with florals and holidays. I do inside and outside, um, and then um, selling teas. That's a great time to sell teas as people start kind of, you know, hunkering down, feeling the cold. Um, and so I'm pretty busy up until the end of December, and then I kind of take a couple of weeks to just do nothing and and have some great family time. And then the planning um, really starts. Not so much, actually, the planning starts even earlier than that year ends, but the execution. Yeah. Um, all the to dos um, get started on. Mm. And um, so it's, um, it's the strategizing and the, the website building and the um, workshop development, the curriculum, and, um, and filling up the calendar. So thinking back to your life at in 2001, right around 9-11, and where you are, and the, the dramatic change in your life to where you are now, um, could you ever have predicted that you would leave corporate finance and become a flower farmer? And uh, <laughs> what do you explain to people in your past life about what you're doing now? I mean, it's it's so joyous hearing you talk about all the, you know, wonderful ways you're, you're just living the life you intended, and I love that. I can't, you know, everybody is, is um, very positive about it. I mean, everybody wants to um, do something that they're passionate about, and the, the fact that I get to do that, I am blessed to do, to be able to. So um, I just, you know, it, it kind of it shows my face lights up when I'm talking about it, and um, and and I can't help but express and and kind of transmit yeah. how much it means to me. Um, I think that you know two things. Um, you know, it's improved my quality of life, but it's also um, a little proud that I, I get to show my children that you can, you know, you don't have to kind of go with the norm. Mm -hmm. You can you can do what you believe in, do what you're passionate about, um, even if it's you know not the corporate world. Right. I love that. How old are your children? Um, I have uh, a 16 year old, and I have one that turns 11 today. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Well, thanks for breaking away <laughs> from from mom duty just to talk a little bit about uh, about your business and your your changing business. I mean, I love the way that you're um, kind of tweaking it, and I think that gives me encouragement in in my own life too. That you know, if it's not working, make a switch or be be ruthless in evaluating what is working, so that um, you know you're not just this, laying at this you're serious about you know building building
building something. Uh, to that end, I, you are kind of using a new tagline for yourself, Blooms and Botanicals. And I, I, how is that going to show up in your logo or on your new website? Um, so Sweet Earth Co., I still have quite a following with Sweet Earth Co. from the landscape side. I didn't want to drop that all together. And, and actually, um, you know, I, I still, Sweet Earth, the name came to me kind of in a dream. I woke up one day. I had been trying so many different names. I think my husband was tired of testing them out. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? <laughs> one morning I woke up. I'm like, I got it. And he said, yeah, that's it. So it's going to be Sweet Earth Co., but um, Blooms and Botanicals kind of, um, I think, um, explains what it is it's flowers and herbs mm. uh, and it's in, in all of its manifestations mm -hmm. i love it it's beautiful and it also has a nod to um to horticulture which is definitely your roots and um the you know the just the design part which is something that you're increasing as you move forward so congratulations i love it Thank you. I'm really excited for this year. Great. Well, let's get some photos of the Sweet Earth Cove farmstead, as you call it, some of your flowers and maybe a few photos of your of your uh, CSA bouquets and some of the other things you're doing um, either at the barn or at some, one of your retail partners. So we can share it on the show notes for today's episode at DebraPrinzing.com. And then I'll also make sure to list all your social places, Zinias, so people can find you and follow you and connect with you um, if they aren't already. So I'm delighted that that you could kick, help me kick off the, this new year, new you uh, theme that I want to have for the podcast. Thank you, Deborah. And it's, uh, it's been really great. I'm excited to be part of it. Oh. And thank you for your podcast because they have been a real um, great source of education and inspiration for me. Good. Now you're paying it forward to the next person. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Take care. Happy New Year. You too. Bye-bye. so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 274,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As the Slow Flowers movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at deborahprinzing.com in the right column. Thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and all of our programs, including this podcast, as well as American Flowers Week, the slowflowers.com online directory to American Grown Flowers, our new channels, Slow Flowers Journal, and the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit. They are Certified American Grown Flowers, the Certified American Grown Program and Label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of 50 family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing high-quality American-grown peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. 
the Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality pr products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG, was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at kinetictreefitness.com. Thank you.